Welcome to the College Baseball Recruiting 101 podcast brought to you by Keep Playing Baseball. This is your host, Ethan Gavon, coming to you from Sacramento, California. Keep Playing Baseball is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to helping every high school baseball player navigate the recruiting process and play college baseball. At Keep Playing Baseball, we don't think money should dictate college baseball opportunity, and all our resources, including this podcast, are 100% free. No signups, no fees, no strings attached. We use the College Baseball Recruiting 101 podcast in many different ways, but the main point is to get you the information you need to keep playing baseball. We appreciate you tuning in to the College Baseball Recruiting 101 podcast, the best source of recruiting information on the go. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the College Baseball Recruiting 101 podcast brought to you by Keep Playing Baseball. Tonight, we are bringing back a familiar guest. You may remember him from absolutely crushing episode seven. Um, Happy to have Brian Dempsey back on the podcast to talk about some recruiting. Dempsey, welcome back, man. Yeah, man. Glad to be here. I uh, don't want to waste any time. I want to get right into it. Uh, The topic for today is a popular one. We're talking about commitments. Yeah, it's obviously a uh, appropriate topic for right now with the early period about to happen. Uh, But yeah, like I said, it's it's popular and I can tell you a very uh, misinformed topic for most people. Definitely, man. As you mentioned, signing period starts in a week from today uh, from recording this and um, you know, there's been some changes to the signing period. Let's start with that. There is no longer the split signing period. It's just one long signing period. So recruits can, or seniors, I should say, can sign any time between November 14th and August 1st, which is a pretty big change from years past. Yeah, as opposed to before when it, what, it's a, they didn't sign within the nine-day signing period that happened in November, they couldn't sign again until, I think it was, what, middle of April. So there any commitment that happened for a senior between those two spots was just a verbal, and they couldn't put pen to paper until April. Right, which is a, which is a huge deal, and we can get into that a little bit later. But we get questions all the time asking about particular uh, commitment decisions when Recruits are in a tough spot. Maybe they're still wanting to explore options and, um, you know, a school is putting the heat on them and giving them a a deadline. Uh, And it can put it can be a really stressful thing, man. Um, You know, you don't want to give up a good scholarship in hopes of getting something better that, you know, isn't a guarantee. Now, you go through this process all the time with kids. Let's start there, man. Um, It's a difficult decision. It's a stressful decision. Uh, What can you say as as just a starting place for advice? Well, the first thing that is like just a large misconception and a really bad way to view it is I I feel like a lot of the parents and families and players look at uh, the moment at which they commit as like reaching the peak of the mountain, right? Yeah. Like that, that's, that's like, that's, that's the alpha and omega, like everything's over and everything's good with it. Everything they've ever wanted to achieve is now over. And so yeah. 
I, I try to put it in ways as like if you're a high school player, it's like, okay, you're currently employed, you have a job. And if I'm a freshman in high school, I pretty much, and obviously this is assuming a guy that's a, that can, is good enough to play in college, right? So if he's good enough to play in college, he's, he's going to play four years of high school baseball. So he's got a job as a freshman, and it's pretty much a four-year contract. And then mm-hmm. after that contract is up, like he, he's got to get a job somewhere else. Like that, it, it ends after that four years. So right. whenever you then commit to a school, like all you did was just like, find another job when your current contract is up and taking it even further. Right. Like, but do we really just want to take any job that's out there? Right. And, and, you know, it, it, you really want to have a job that is the right fit for you. Right. Cause you're going to be there every day. So on, you know, the whole nine. So with that, if, if they take that same mindset to this, to where it's like, don't think that, Oh, I am a sophomore. So I have to commit or my time is running out. No, you don't. You still have, two or three years left in your current contract. Like there's a lot of time to figure some things out. And then also don't jump to conclusions because there's so many things that we, that need to be considered, which I know we'll get into. Like, like, is it, is that true job security? Is that coach that is even there, even going to be there when, by yeah. the time, you know, like there's, there's so many factors that can happen over that, over that time period from as an underclassman or upperclassman to the time you actually get on campus that I, I just think there's so much more that goes into it instead of just being able to pump my chest and say, I'm committed. Yeah. I think you bring up a, a host of really good points right there, but before we get into any of those uh, any deeper, I want to take a step back and just kind of explain the difference between a commitment and signing. And so, you know, we talked about the signing period, being in a week from now. So let's just be clear about that. When you commit to a school, also known as a verbal, a lot of times, that is basically a handshake deal with that coach. And so um, it's not actually a binding agreement. So a coach could say, hey, I want you to come and play for me on a 50% scholarship. That sounds great to you. So you commit. Uh, there's actually nothing holding that deal in place, right? And so, as you mentioned, uh, verbal commitments fall through all the time. A coach leaves the program. The player doesn't progress at the rate that the school is looking for or the coach is looking for. Um, grades don't pan out. I mean, there's a whole host of reasons why commitments fall through. Now, signing, that's a binding agreement between the institution and the player. And so it's not the coach and the player, it's the institution and the player. And so when a recruit, they have to be a senior in order to sign, but when a recruit signs, that's their binding contract, right? So uh, there's going to be a financial agreement attached to that. The school is bound to honor that agreement as long as the student athlete meets certain criteria you know, graduate from high school, they maintain their grades, they don't get into trouble off the field, and so on and so forth. So signing is the big deal. If you can, if you find your fit and you can sign, that's when the weight should be lifted off your shoulders, as opposed to what you were talking about when players commit and you often hear them say, uh, you know, I felt, I felt like a huge weight was lifted off my shoulders. Now I can just focus on having fun and playing and so on and so forth. Well, as you alluded to, that's not actually the case. Uh, yeah. and, and so that, I want to make that distinction perfectly clear to listeners out there. There's a huge difference between verbally committing uh, and signing. 
And that's really important for people to understand. So there's, 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 there's two things that I have about that. And people need to have, take everything what you just said is true, but they need to have some responsibility, take some responsibility in this whole process. Because yes, is, is a commitment just a verbal agreement? But th- as far as there, there's different ethics that are appropriate or inappropriate, um, you know, in varying different professions and especially within subcategories of the profession. So, for example, in college athletics, like in football, it's very big for these guys to every single time you'll see on social media, a kid gets an offer, they announce the offer, right? And, right. And kind yep. of size those things. Like that's, you and I know that's, that's very frowned upon in the baseball environment. Right. So even more so in the commitment thing, it is supposed to be this, like your word is gold, gentleman's agreement. Like, so like, no, you're going there. So I can tell you any, any of the people that, I am guiding through the process. I tell them when you commit, that's where you're going to school. Like that's where you're going. There's no, like, I'm going to commit and then I'm going to shop around because that, that's not a commitment. Like at right. all. Um, now being in this and understanding that, Hey, you know, sometimes like the schools aren't quite as, you know, firm and ethical with that. There, there are some things that can happen and without getting into all the different things that can happen, I just think for the majority, for the majority of cases, it does need to look at that that commitment is held true in, 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 in the majority. So with that, the mindset needs to be looking at it when they're going through the decision making process that when I'm making a commitment, that is a I'm, I'm basically putting pen to paper. I'm just not able to do it yet because of the rules. But my word right. is, is gold. Um, yeah. However, I'm going to I'm going to interrupt you because, you know, that I love to play devil's advocate advocate on this issue a little bit uh, because there is a little bit of a different perception when uh, a commitment falls through because of a recruit uh, reneging or a coach doing it right and so to your point um, I think it's really important that recruits and parents understand exactly what you said right when I commit to this school that's where I'm going that has to be the mindset. But at the same time, you have to think really long and hard and make 100% sure that you know exactly what that commitment means when you commit because of things like coaches pulling the commitment back. Because the commitment or the failure of the commitment always seems to fall back on the kid, right? If a kid commits and then decides that's not the school for him and switches his commitment or reopens his recruitment, that's going to give him kind of a tainted or, or negative label among almost all coaches, right? And uh, then, You know, I mean, it varies, but yeah, is that going to raise a little bit of red flags for people whenever he reopens it up and other schools are trying to inquire about it? Yeah, they're going to ask questions to make sure, you know, is it, is it, was it actually a legitimate reason for doing so, or was it because he just wants to shop himself around and was irresponsible the first time through? Right. So that kid's getting put under a microscope. Now, if the coach does it, a lot of times it's, hey, you know, he needs to win to save his job uh, and so on and so forth. So it's not looked upon in the same light. And my main point here is not to say that coaches are bad or, or players are bad or this or that or, or paint. Uh, every coach with a broad brush, right? The point is simply that 
you need to understand what the commitment means to you. You need to understand what it means to that coach and you need to understand how things can fall apart. And it's, that's a totally fair question that players can and should ask when they make this commitment. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. They sh- that, that there are some tough questions that I think, um, tactfully put that that players and families should ask coaches when they're when really mainly when they're kind of committing to schools as underclassmen more so not really when when they're if they're seniors or kind of going into their senior year like it, it's kind of signed sealed delivered at that point when the commitment's happening at that time which the majority of commitments do actually have that uh, happen at that time to right far as most people don't know understand that and look at it that way but that is the truth of it but for the underclassmen that are committing early um for lack of better terms anyway, like they, it, it's, they do need to ask some tough questions and learn how to, and ask them tactfully because they are legitimate gripes. And, and I, this is why this is such a big topic in college, in, in college baseball amongst it, even in with the college coaches and talking with the NCA as far as rules for those that don't know and having, don't keep up with some of the stuff that could be changing each year. But, right. you know, one of the things is, is that, Hey, like, a recruit can commit a uh, sign at any time. So say he's a freshman and he commits to a school like boom, put him on an NLI. A- and I think, I think personally, that's probably the best route to go because now it, it, it makes everyone kind of put their money where their mouth is coach right. player nine yards. So uh, I think that's the best thing. I think it would s- slow a lot of this stuff down. I think it would, um, you know, it would make things a little, it wouldn't be such careless recruiting um that would kind of go on on the coach's end it wouldn't be such a reckless mindset and 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 kind of chasing a rabbit from the from the parents players and families perspective Mm -hmm. um but you know that because that isn't the rule right now right yeah and i'm glad you clarified that right just so we're crystal clear yeah it's not that is not the rule it's not the rule it's not it's not yeah and once again that's just one this is just my, I know there's people that are on the side that I'm on, but there, there are cases for why we shouldn't do that as well. Right. And look, there's never going to be a perfect system with it. Um, but like we're talking about, this is the system that we're in. I think to play devil's advocate again, you know, back to your points where you're saying like, it's always the, the kid that gets seemed to be looked at in a negative light. And it seems like the college program or the coaches and, you know, can, can kind of get away with it a little bit more where they don't seem in ears affected is mm-hmm. that the, 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 I think this is an opportunity for a young high school student player to be realize, Hey, this is what the real world is like. Well, welcome, welcome to being an adult because it, it really, this is an adult decision that's being made. And that's probably the, a, a, a very large thing that I see is where like parents will, you hear people say like, Oh, how can a school do that to a kid? It's like, well, in the other perspective, that's, that's, that's this guy's job security. That's how he feeds his family. So, you know, the wins and losses, isn't just, Oh, we lost tonight. It's like, Oh, that's the difference to maybe this guy getting fired and not. And because of that, it, it really is. It's an adult business world with a bunch of clientele that are anywhere between 14 and 22 with the 18 to 22 year olds actually being there on campus and the 14 to 18 year olds that are potential, you know, clients of that business. 
So, and that's, that's where it's just kind of a, a difficult scenario. And this is why I like to use the word, people need to be responsible on their decision-making process of self-awareness of the, does the player know who he is, where he's at in life from a maturity standpoint, do the parents know that about their son? And, and then, and then also the, the, the coaches actually to not be careless on just throwing things out there just to make sure they have enough. And that, you know, if, if, if someone gets cut, it's not on them. So that's why I think that word responsible just needs to be taken a little more actively in the proactive in the process for all parties involved. Yeah. And I think, I think you paint an accurate picture the way you describe it as a, as a big kid decision or as an adult decision. Right. Uh, we can go back and forth about whether it's right that a coach lets a kid go, regardless of whether that's job security. You know, one might argue, hey, do a better job recruiting or or like we've talked about, you know, wait until the kid's older so you have a better feel. I mean, we can go back and forth on stuff like that all day. Uh, but I think you're right. You know, this is a difficult decision. It's a it's a huge financial decision, right? Um, you know, playing college baseball for four years, knowing that college baseball is not a full ride sport for 99.999% of players. Um, you know, this is a huge decision that you need to take painstaking care to make sure that it's the right one for you to the best of your ability. Now, um, I think we could talk about this topic uh, you know, and, and little parts of commitment and, and so on and so forth for hours. I mean, you and I have done that before. Um, but I'm going to shift gears a little bit here. Uh, I want you to tell me what you think are some of the biggest myths about the commitment process. Um, what, what are some of the things where parents and recruits get tripped up on? When you commit, it's ultimate job security. Right. And we, you know, to not kind of circle back completely with everything we've talked about, but just because you commit early doesn't mean that that you have better job security than the kid that's uncommitted, because I've seen it happen, unfortunately, almost annually at this point to where a kid will commit as a sophomore and it'll be two weeks before the signing period. And all of a sudden uh, they get a phone call that that uh, that's not one that any recruit ever wants to get. And now it's two weeks before the early signing period and all the schools that are maybe in that conference and of comparable level, you know, pretty much have their recruiting classes already wrapped up. Right. So yeah, that, that you're talking about that kind of like the, the kid that gets dropped at the very last hour. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing I think is a myth is really kind of on the other side, it's kind of the same topic is just because you're a rising senior or an actual senior at the time doesn't mean that you can't play at a division one program, a top 25 program, a power five conference school. I mean, I, I, I can tell you just in what I've experienced over the last five months alone. I mean, we've had, I think I can think of five or six Power five conference or top 25 program kids, uh, top 25 programs, kids commit to those type of schools over the last five months that are seniors in high school. Yeah. So that, like, that's another thing too, is they think if, if you know, if you're going to go big time, 
You know, you have to be committed before you're a junior, like total myth. Yeah. So two myths you brought up there. One kind of hits on the whole underclass versus upper class uh, model of recruiting, right? The early recruiting, uh, having patience. The second one, uh, in a similar vein, right? It talks about um, the fact that every single college baseball program in the country is going to be recruiting seniors at some point, whether it's because, um, you know, you're a power five program or a top 10 program and you have some juniors that you didn't expect to get drafted that now look like they're going to get drafted. You have some kids that, you know, you're not bringing back, uh, rock, you know, recruiting is very fluid. And so there's always big time programs circling back around later senior year as they've had a a better chance to kind of evaluate how their roster is going to look that following year and where their needs are. Uh, Before we get too far into that, I want to talk about your first myth about the the kind of underclass and and upper class division between commitments and um, that kind of that fake sense of security when you commit. Uh, It doesn't really make and I'm going to throw out a statement here and I want you to either agree or disagree and, and fill in what you think is important, but the new recruiting rules do not allow for underclassmen. So freshmen and sophomores in high school to get a full picture of what it would be like to play at a school because they can't have as much recruiting contact with coaches and they can't even take a campus visit that's facilitated by the coaching staff or players. And so if you're looking to make an informed decision about a, a program and a life decision that is a good fit for you, you know, from top to bottom, you're not going to make that decision as an underclassman. I agree with this statement, but I think it's a good thing. Right. And to- I'm in total agreement there. Players should not rush the decision. And that's why the NCAA has put those those new rules in place is to kind of try and push that timeline back and discourage some of that early recruiting that was happening and and still will happen uh, with freshmen and sophomores that are super talented. Yeah. But like, and like, I want to touch base on why I think it's a good thing is that like, like you said, like this is, we've talked about this entire time, how big of a decision this is and having responsible being responsible with it. And like, it's an adult decision freshmen and sophomores you're talking about they're 14 to 16 years old like it's Mm -hmm. like like how like they can't even drive a car yet and they're gonna make a this big of a life decision that affects so many things like their family financially like there's so many factors that like i i think if you're a kid that grew up you know and you've been a diehard you know florida gator fan right like your whole life like and you've gone to Gainesville and you've gone to football games, everything, then you know what? Like there's sometimes with that to where that, that player, regardless of who's coaching there, there's just this emotional attachment that you've had your whole life to put on that uniform and to attend that school. Like there's value in that because not only is it about the college baseball program experience, which is going to vary depending on which coach is there and, you know, uh, you know, what time you get in there. There's a lot of factors, but they're still going to college, which is an experience that all of us are having, you know? So 
I think in a scenario like that, to where if it's just a flat out, this has been my dream school as long as I can remember, and you get that opportunity to do that as an underclassman, then you know what? Like, there's there's a lot of merit in actually being able to say like, I dreamt this as a as a six, seven, eight year old kid, and I'm getting that opportunity. Very few of us get that opportunity in any aspect of life. So I think there's something with that. But outside of that, I, I, I think it's a very case by case scenario. And there's got to be some really good reasoning or just really see like this is a really mature kid and he's done his homework and, you know, all of that has to happen. But that's that that comes into a case by case scenario pretty much every time. Yeah. And to touch on that point, you know, about the kid that's dreamed about going to the school his whole life, I would still urge parents and and recruits to to be cautious and take your time because you build up this image over your life about a school, about a program. You see them play on TV, you see their football and their basketball team. Uh, you know, usually it's a big time program, right? And, and you build up this image and a lot of it is emotional, right? And one of the things that we caution parents about and recruits about in the recruiting process is finding the appropriate balance between emotional decision-making and rational decision-making. So this image that you've built up throughout your childhood, is that going to be what you actually find when you get to campus? And the answer may very well be yes. Look, right? everything you're saying is super spot on right now, because as you're growing up in that emotional attachment, you're a fan, you know, and like, right. Then when it's like, I'm going to do this and this is my career, then it's a business decision, you know, like, and that is like the biggest thing. Like I, I can tell you from personal experience myself, like I'm like, have some Philadelphia roots, like grew up a diehard Phillies fan, like my entire life. Like they won the world series when I was in college. And like, believe me, I let our whole town know about it. I had people yelling at me cause I was running around doing it. Like now, like I become so neutral just because of like, working in base it's 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 i can't even be a fan the same way because when you get to know players personally because you've worked with them and whatnot and and now they're in the big leagues like how am i going to root against a guy that i went to high school with when he's pitching against them you know like it's really hard it's really to, so my, my fanhood has actually gone completely away because i've just gotten so invested into the business side of it and the business side of it has become personal so it's the same thing as a player and, and like i said that's another thing that's super super difficult for any to expect any 14, 15, 16 year old kid to be able to, to, to discern between. And, and if we're being honest, you know, a lot of times the parents kind of get caught up in that fervor too, right? They've, they've seen the same thing and, and you're right. It's not a decision that should be made based on fandom because like I was saying, you know, when you show up to campus, you're going to be faced with the facts and reality, right? And, and you're not going to be a fan anymore. You're going to be, living uh, the pressures of playing at that school, you know, going to class there. Um, it's not going to be that perfect scenario that you've kind of dreamt up. And so it's really important to do your research and figure out. And really what we're talking about here is program fit, right? Does this program match what I'm looking for in a college experience, both on and off the field? Because, you know, you and I both know that the greatest recruit in the world, 
you know, nothing is guaranteed for them, right? Things happen, injuries happen, um, development gets stalled out, uh, whatever it might be. There are no guarantees in college baseball uh, and certainly not, you know, moving beyond that. And so, you know, again, I would just urge people to use caution um, when they're trying to make those decisions in their underclass years because you you simply can't get all the facts that you need in order to make a full decision and you know that's where a lot of kids go wrong is they pick the biggest name school the most successful program and you know that's all well and good but if that's not a fit for what you're looking for then you're not going to be happy when you get to that program i think i think one thing that you're saying about like putting such an emphasis on program fit um, is, is super important. I'm incredibly guilty of, of kind of hammering that point home myself on a very regular basis. But if I can even draw myself back a little bit, which I, you know, try to, you know, as we all try to evaluate ourselves is like, if you hammer that point, home too much to yourself as a player or a parent and a family like will you truly ever make a decision because to be honest like it doesn't matter like if there's still risk involved in the decision and and it's still a giant sales pitch so you can go on all the visits you want and talk to all the coaches that you want and they're going to paint a picture of what it's like there everything but that you're never going to know until you actually get there. Like you're never going to know, you know, and like, and I, I've never, I've, I don't think I've ever heard a recruit or a family, a parent of a recruit ever say, Oh man, the coaches, they just, they were really kind of rude and mean. And they just, they didn't like <laughs> what they had to say. Like every single, Oh, they're so nice. And they laid out the red carpet and they said all these wonderful things. It's like, well, of course they are. They're trying to sell you like, just like you're like in anything else. And then when you get there, like, I can't tell you how many kids every fall of their freshman year, they come back and or I'll touch base with them. They're like, hey, how's it going? They're like, yeah, the coaches are really kind of nothing what I expected them to be, you know? And it's just like, yeah. you know, well, you're just seeing a different side of them. You're not seeing the sales side. You're seeing the business. Let's go to work side. And so, like I said, I'm guilty of the same thing and it, it, because it is very important, but I know for me, I, I know I'm trying to here in the near future, hammer home the point so they understand that program fit is what is most important, but understanding that you, you're, you're still going to have to, there's still risk involved in that decision. It's just more so you have to be comfortable going, saying, you know what, like, what if I make this decision, if I, regardless of what happens, whether it ends up being the right fit or not. I know that I'm not going to have any regrets that I made the right, I, what I feel is the right decision for what I am able to actually know. And I'm at this moment. And, and mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing is not waking up four five, six, seven years later and saying, you know what? I, I knew I should have went with this instead, like whatever that is. And you just have to do your due diligence on program fit at a certain point. You, you just got to understand that there's some risk involved with the decision and how well were you able to, to, to see through what was authentic and what wasn't in the sales pitches. Yeah. And that's a great point, right there. And we have an article about this on our website and you'll never hear us make any guarantees that keep playing baseball. There simply are no guarantees, right? There is an element of risk, but to your point, 
um, you know, having a clear understanding of what your fit looks like, having priorities about what's going to make you happy in mind, and then doing your due diligence, uh, you know, uh, hey, these coaches were really nice on my visit. You know what, I'm going to ask three players from different classes at that school if that's what they're really like in real life. So um, I agree with your point that, you know, there are no sure bets, but I certainly would encourage uh, a ton of research about individual programs. You know, the more you can do, the better, because the better idea or the closer your vision of that school is to what it actually is, the more likely you're going to be, you know, satisfied and happy with when you get there. So I think the question that most of the people listening to this right now are having is, okay, you say do research on it. Where the heck do I go? Right. So like, I'll tell you where Brian, you go to keep playing baseball.org <laughs> and you look up how to investigate college programs online. And we have an article that lays out, you know, maybe 30 or 40 different things that you can check into with suggestions on how you do it. So there's your answer. Boom. I love that. I, <laughs> I'm not even planning to do so, just lobbed you a softball to be able to kind of crush that one on some uh, free marketing on the articles. But it, like, like I, I'm going to be surprised if I, we can bring something up that you don't already have an article on. And if not, I'm sure you're making notes so you can write one and have one up here by the next week or so. You know me too well, man. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, like it, the, the short answer I want to give other than they should go to that article. Cause I can, I'm, I'm sure it's plenty helpful. Um, it is like, on specifics of programs, I talk to your, you got to, Hey, does your travel ball coach or your high school coach do anybody that has a relationship with those coaches or has sent schools at in the past? Like what, what is your take on them? And that that's, and obviously that's a position that I'm in on a regular basis. So I think there's a responsibility on my end to be honest with the people, right? Like, Hey, I'll be honest. Like I don't really think that actually fits well with your son because I think your son is X, Y, and Z. And I don't think that's going to mesh with a, B and C qualities of this coach. And the reason why that's there's some risk reward on my end is sometimes people don't like hearing that, you know, their son is, has X, Y, and Z qualities. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's more, sometimes it's not so much them hearing about the A, B and C qualities that the coach has, but it's, it's about the X, Y, and Z that their son has. So, and, and, and then a, a handful of other things, but trying to find out people that have had actual personal experience with them as sent players to them. I, I think that's really the best thing, finding someone that'll be honest with about that. Um, and then, like I said, talking to players is great too. It sometimes that's, it seems very difficult or impossible for some players or recruits to do, but if they do, I still think they have to not still take that with a grain of salt as well. Because if you ask the kid who's been there for three years and has 32 career bats, you're probably going to get a very different uh, response from the kid who's gotten, you know, 624 yeah. at bats over you, three years. You got to right? try and ask a, a range of, you know, both in terms yeah. of class year and then experience. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, I love these conversations because there's just so many different routes that we could go with them. Um, I think you'd be surprised how much you can find in the digital age just by jumping online and doing a bunch of research. You know, if you really want to find out about a program, if you really want to find out about a coach's track record, you know, there's the tools to do it, right? It may not be easy and it may not be set up on a T for me, but I can figure out by looking at rosters, you know, what the turnover rate is without even asking a coach, right? How many guys who were freshmen are still there 
four years later, just by looking, you know, doing some roster research. And you could do the same thing for commitments, uh, you know, using different websites and such. Um, so, yeah, I think you, I think you make a great point. I want to move past this, but again, I'm going to play devil's advocate and encourage guys to do as much research as they can and find out what they can, because, you know, in today's day and age, you can find out a lot if you pay attention. Um, I don't want to cut you off if you had anything else to say about that, but I did want to talk about your second myth, which was, you know, every program is still recruiting seniors. Uh, did you have anything you wanted to add before we move on? Uh, no, we can jump right into that. Yeah, why don't you kick us off with that, man? Tell us, you know, there's this myth, right? Uh, you know, early recruiting, early recruiting, you have to sign early. You have to sign junior year. Uh, you know, you already talked about how many players of yours have committed to big time programs as seniors. Why don't you kind of take that and run with it for a little bit? Um, well, I think when we're talking right now, so the people knowing, like if you're in the summer going from your, between your junior and senior year, we're just going to refer to you as a senior for in this conversation. So, um, to, to draw back your statement a little bit, it's, I wouldn't say that all division ones are still recruiting seniors at all times. Right. But fair. Yeah, uh, it, fair. it's, it's more so that there are division one spots out there. 12 months of the year right even when you're a senior so and like like i liked how you put it earlier you said recruiting is very very fluid right and it's kind of liquid it's 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 things can change at any time and 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 this is to where having a steady compose steady head on their shoulders more so the parents and the players, be honest, but as seniors that are uncommitted, but, but definitely both parents and, and players is just like understanding that, like, I don't need to panic and stay composed with the whole process emotionally because it happens all of the time and they don't want to hear it or it's not as comforting to them as it probably should be when we say like, look, things can honestly change at any moment. And it, 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 you, you never know. And one of the things that can change, I've heard been like, Hey, you talk to school. Hey, we, yeah, we really like that guy that you brought up to us, but man, be honest, we, we just can't take another infielder. And then a month and a half later, you get a phone call from that same coach. Hey, is that guy still available? We just had one guy quit. He couldn't handle the, 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 the you know, kind of the commitment level we can expect we had another uh freshman just not performing anywhere near to the level we thought he was going to and we just had uh one of our other guys tear his acl happens all the time it happens all all of the time you know and it's just like you know and, and it really truly does happen and and obviously with when you're a senior and to increase your chances of being the one that is the the answer that that college coach is looking for when they're calling for hey is that guy still available is is kind of casting a broad net and and i think we touched back on this last time we talked is it's it's so easy to see why so many families put themselves through so much unnecessary stresses the first thing is they 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 keyhole themselves so much and then they also expect this timeline to happen when they want it to happen, which they think needs to, which is early on, which is another myth we're discussing. And then when you get to this point, when you're a senior, they panic because they believe in they still believe in all the stuff that even put them in this 
completely stressful scenario that they don't even that they, that they put themselves in and isn't even a reality. So it, it's this like vicious cycle that they go through all all on miss where it's just like these spots are always available and just don't keyhole yourself to just in state or just this conference or just this level like cast a broad net be open for things because everything is a true opportunity and in their own way. Um, and, and just don't panic because it's going to happen. I mean, I've seen guys, we had, I had, we had three guys that played in our program that were 2018 graduates that had committed and signed to schools in like July and August of this, of 2018. So, yeah, right before they go to school. Like right? literally, they graduated from high school two months prior from that. Like they're completely graduated from high school, and they're finding and they and they and they found a roster spot and or scholarship. Three guys in July and August at two months after they graduated. Like, and that that's just just this past year. Like it happens every single year, and that's just our program, which is such a blip on the map as far as how big the the amateur baseball world is yeah so, and hey i mean when i was a recruiting coordinator at a division one program we did the same thing we there were got there were seniors who had graduated that we discovered and signed to scholarship after they had graduated from high school i mean it happens it's not that you know you don't want to give false hope um to kids but it's a great point you know it, it happens Kids get signed practically 12 months out of the year to programs of every level. To your point of the false hope thing, right, which is correct. We don't want to give false hope to them about, oh, oh, oh in their senior year and, and all the things that can happen and whatnot, even though it, it, there there's some things that need to fall in line when it when it happens senior year. OK, but like we said, it's comfortable. It's going to the, the first false hope is is putting is believing all the myths and being so concrete in those myths as underclassmen that we have touched on earlier. That's the first false hope that is put into them is believing the myths. Just to clarify, you're talking about a kid who commits say as a sophomore and believes that or needs to commit that he, he said he, I need to commit by a time of a junior yeah. or all, or all of this is I'm never going to have any opportunities or I need to play at this level or, you know, all of, all of my hopes and dreams are ruined, right? Like that, those are the myths and the false hope that they put themselves under the majority of kids right from the start. Yeah. Well, I want to jump in with a few points that I think are relevant to what you're just talking about. The first is, I think that the change in the recruiting rules are really going to help kids hold off on their decision making on committing, because now the signing period as a senior is going to run from November 14th until August 1st, right? So in the past, as you mentioned earlier, it ran for about two weeks. It was called the early signing period, and it went for two weeks in November And then there was about a five-month period where you couldn't sign, right? Now, you can sign at any point starting November 14th, right? So that's going to give seniors a little bit more security, and it's going to give them the opportunity to actually cement that commitment into a, a binding agreement at any point during the winter, during the early spring. And that's going to change the perspective of recruiters a little bit. Because in the past, 
some of the bigger Division One programs, they would wait and see. Um, you know, they had until April to kind of evaluate the roster. Well, now they're going to have to make those decisions a little bit earlier and get involved in the recruiting process for seniors a little bit earlier in the year because now a mid-major D1 or a Division II program can actually pull the kid off the board. Whereas in the past, you know, me as a mid-major Division I recruiting coordinator, I'm finding a kid that I really like, and I'm just hoping that he commits before one of those bigger schools comes back around and says, hey, you know what, I think uh, we got some scholarship, and I think you'd be a great fit on our program. You know, I can't tell you how many times that happened where, you know, you feel like you get one of the kit, the recruits that you've really worked hard on poached by a bigger program. And so the, the recruits are going to have a lot more flexibility now in terms of when they're able to sign during senior year. And I think that's going to make things a lot easier, if that makes sense. You, you know who really wins with this new rule is the Division twos and possibly some of the mid-majors. Those yeah. are the ones who really win on all this with this new rule. And the reason I say that is if, if we're being real, if we're being honest, right, if, if it's between November and August of your senior year of high school and you're a recruit and you don't have any offers and a school comes calling, like, they're probably going to have some urgency and it's going to say yes. Right. Like, like that's going to happen the majority of times as it probably should. Okay. I, 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 there's one in particular, like brief story I want to tell for why, and this is, this is just one story of it happening on an annual basis with the old rule. Whenever kids don't, weren't able to sign in the early signing period, their urgency went even higher. Right. And the panic has gone even higher. Because so, they have to wait so late. Yeah. Yep. And now, well, here's the thing, too, is they're going into their season and also because of the recruiting rules until March, you know, from the time the early signing period starts in November to March 1st, none of those schools can go out and recruit. Yeah. So, how, so they're not even, so now this kid, if you're in a southern state or a warm weather state, your first month of your high school season, doesn't matter how well you play, nobody can come out and watch you. So, um, this real that this realization comes to the players that now all of a sudden I have to wait at least four months probably until something's going to happen. So now all of a sudden they start broadening their, 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 their sights of, of what interests them. They haven't keyhole themselves so much. So I can, so this is where a lot of times where the division twos come in and kind of feast a little bit. And these kids that probably should have been more interested in those programs earlier, but were, having the false hope or, you know, saying that I only want to play at, you know, a, a top 25 school or a division one school. Now all of a sudden they're a whole lot more interested. So now all of a sudden some of these kids are starting to commit to those programs. Well, because you couldn't put it on paper until April, I can tell you one specific scenario, a high school kid committed to a division two school and it was like December or January. And then in his high school spring, he hit 17 home runs that year. Okay. And because he hit, was hitting all these home runs, uh, division one school came in, swiped in and kind of threw their weight around that I'm a D one and the kid backed out on his commitment and went to the division one school. So everyone knows that kid has gotten under 50 career at bats in his time at the division one school to where he probably would have played every single day at that division two school. So for him, whether it worked out or not, that's totally up to him. He might've still loved his experience, but as far as getting on the field, it didn't work as well. Right. 
And this is why the Division Twos are winning now, because if that same exact scenario was to happen, when that kid, when they offered him and that kid said yes in January of his senior year, he puts his name on paper and it's a binding contract and that's where he's going to school. So that's why the Division Twos and some of these mid-majors that are a little more traditional with the recruiting of doing it later are going to really are going to be the biggest winners with this whole new rule. Yeah, and I wanted to get make a comment about you know your point earlier. You said you know kids shouldn't keyhole themselves, meaning kids shouldn't you know narrow the scope of their search. You said cast a wide net, and you're 100 percent right. You know over 1,600 college baseball programs in the country. Uh, uh, between 11 and 12 percent of high school baseball players go on to play college baseball at any level. You know, number one. If you get interest from anyone, you know, that puts you in pretty elite company and you should take it seriously and treat them with respect. Number two, 1,600 plus college baseball programs, there's a pretty good chance that a lot of schools that are a great fit for you, you've never even heard of or you don't know anything about. So to your point, cast a wide net, be open, explore all opportunities And I just wanted to really hit on that because I think, you know, when it comes to commitments, people get really caught up in, you know, this school or I have interest from this division two school. But, you know, there's been a few division ones that have expressed interest but haven't made any offers and kind of to the point that we've been talking about, you know, explore the fit, uh, give them a chance and you might find that it works out a lot better and you might not, you know, if your priority is to play as a freshman and have an opportunity to contribute every single year, you know, that division two school, like you were talking about in your story might be the best fit might be the, might be the right place. Let's see, man. I mean, we've covered a lot here. We've been talking about commitments for 50 minutes or so. Um, One, one other point that I wanted to make is just, you know, people get so caught up in the chasing the commitment. Um, they get so wrapped up in the exposure. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the role of development in creating the opportunities that you're going to get. Um, you know, if you're continually developing and improving as a player, is it fair to say that you're going to have more options the longer you wait to a to a point, right? You know, if if you're a, you know, you start getting interest as a a late sophomore, let's say, but you keep getting better. It's fair to say that, you know, come junior year, end of junior year, you should have more interest if you're getting better each season. Uh, yeah. You know, some of that is a little case by case because how projectable is that player from a physical standpoint? Cause some, some are maybe when they're a sophomore, they've really kind of physically maxed out on kind of what they're going to do um, from a tool standpoint. Right. Um, but even playing devil's advocate on that point is to myself is that if you have already maxed out and a, you're an underclassman and a big school wants you, maybe that's not the right fit because you've maxed out and you're going to have plenty of other opportunities at other schools that are a better fit because you waited. And because you waited, you're, you're, it's a little more sh- sh- sure fire fit of like, this is where I kind of belong. Um, but to your original point, yeah, that happens a lot. I mean, like I said, it, I mean, I can think of, 
three three of the kids off the that we had three kids that we had this summer that committed to top twenty five and power five conference schools one year prior one year prior even six months prior I don't think we're actually ready and all three of those guys not only did they get multiple offers and some offers from some big time programs but I can tell you the offer was uh, the offer was pretty healthy as well which just shows how bad the school wanted them and that they think that you know the healthier the offer really kind of tells a player this we expect you to come in and and help early on in your career which I think all three of those players are going to end up doing at those programs and and like I said if one year prior I don't think any of those kids could have played at those schools a year later with the continued development that they had I think they're going to be impact players as freshmen and sophomores so it's crazy just how much can change over that 12 12 months and but you know in, in a way it's kind of crazy for that and I know it's necessary but that we even have to like tell players like, hey, you should always be concerned about continually getting better. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, no That's doubt. That's what it's all no about. No doubt, right? You know what I'm saying? You got, you, got, you got Chris Sale and some of these guys that are the best in baseball like in the World Series, like, talking about how, like, they're trying to get better every day. And, like, it's not it's not an eyewash statement. Like, there's a reason why they're there. Like, they truly are. And you're talking about guys that are throwing 97, 98 miles an hour, striking out 200 people a year, you know, and they're still, like, trying to, like, desperately chasing how can i improve you know my my game so you know only 97 98 are you talking yeah. about cutters or sliders yeah, exactly <laughs> nowadays right it's, i feel like the guys are gonna be throwing 112 here soon enough yeah no, i wouldn't i wouldn't doubt it no. um hey i i think we've had a pretty good and relatively focused conversation about you know making commitments and signing and the difference there i think to kind of summarize things up from my perspective and, you know, I'll give you an opportunity to, to do the same, but, you know, people write to us all the time and explain their situation, their difficult predicament when it comes to committing or waiting. Uh, I think the bottom line is it's a, it's a super individual decision and there certainly are, indicators that would point to it being the right time for you. I think the biggest thing is you have to be able to make a fully informed decision. You have to understand that there's a reason why you have four years of high school, right? Uh, as you mentioned earlier, and as we've discussed, you know, the clock doesn't run out after your, your sophomore year. So there's no rush to commit. Uh, you have to be a hundred percent ready that you want to do it because as we've discussed, you know, regardless of whether it's a verbal or, or whether you're signing, you know, that needs to be your word and you need to stick with it. Uh, and you need to make sure that you understand where the schools are on that. But, you know, the bottom line is it's different for everyone. And as long as you're making informed decisions and are clear on what type of college baseball experience you want to have, you know, there's risk involved, but that's going to give you your best bet. You know, the 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 if there's the closing kind of statement for me on this and, and i and i want any player that's listening to this to to really listen right here own your decision and own your career and, and what i mean by that is if you're owning what you do and you're owning your own career that you, you're saying, this is on me. I'm responsible for all of it. Okay. It's nobody else's fault. 
and you're if you own something like you're you're firmly rooted in every aspect of that the decision making process how you go about your days how you're trying to go about your development the mindset in which you want to go with all this so making this college commitment decision the whole process is the same thing own your decision and own your career and that's the biggest thing that i wish i could see in more young players is taking ownership in who they are and what they want and what they're going to go after man that's a great way to end it and i i had some stats that i wanted to pull out from an nca study about uh, about the recruiting process and early commitments and, and that I'm going to hold off and just save those for the notes. Um, what I do want to end on guys, this is a little bit different format of a, of a podcast um, than what you're used to hearing from us. You know, usually it's myself or someone else discussing a topic very in depth for a short period of time or an interview style I'm really interested in hearing what you think of this kind of free-flowing conversational format. Do you find it useful? Do you want more of this type of podcast? Uh, Would love the feedback. As always, you can find more information about commitments, about signing, about the signing periods on our website, www.keepplayingbaseball.org. We're super active on all our social media platforms. But If you enjoy this podcast, uh, please refer friends to it. Uh, Leave us a review. Give us five stars and subscribe. Uh, We really are here to give you the information you need to navigate this process. All our resources are free. And all that we ask is that you, if you're finding this information useful, um, please pass it on to others who can benefit from it as well. Uh, Demps, I'm... I I think you crushed it again, man. Uh, It was great to have you back on the podcast. And I'm sure that we're going to do this again sometime soon on a different topic. So appreciate you joining us, man. No, man, I'm glad you had me. No, I'm always ready to do this. Awesome. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll catch you soon for all you guys out there listening. Thanks for tuning in and uh, take care. Thanks for tuning in to the college baseball recruiting 101 podcast brought to you by keep playing baseball. As always, if you have questions or need more information on the recruiting process or player development, you can find that for free on our website, www.keepplayingbaseball.org. We're also very active on social media. You can find us on Twitter, at KeepPlayingBB, Facebook, KeepPlayingBaseball, and Instagram, at KeepPlayingBaseball. If you've found this podcast to be helpful, please take the time to leave us a review and give us five stars. That'll help other people find our podcast and get access to great free information. We'll be back at it with a new episode soon, but until then, take care.